Now I'll talk about my fun facts and favorites from Chapter 2. First, Ordinary Observers versus Extraordinary Observers. This chapter includes a description of the little orphan girl, first from the perspective of an ordinary observer, and then from that of an extraordinary observer. Quote, Matthew was not looking at her, and would not have seen what she was really like if he had been. But an ordinary observer would have seen this. A child of about eleven, garbed in a very short, very tight, very ugly dress of yellowish-gray wincy. She wore a faded brown sailor hat, and beneath the hat, extending down her back, were two braids of very thick, decidedly red hair. Her face was small, white, and thin, also much freckled. Her mouth was large, and so were her eyes, which looked green in some lights and moods, and gray in others. So far, the ordinary observer. An extraordinary observer might have seen that the chin was very pointed and pronounced, that the big eyes were full of spirit and vivacity, that the mouth was sweet-lipped and expressive, that the forehead was broad and full. In short, our discerning, extraordinary observer might have concluded that no commonplace soul inhabited the body of this stray woman-child of whom shy Matthew Cuthbert was so ludicrously afraid. Unquote. The ordinary observer sees what is on the surface— like her ugly dress, her faded hat, her freckled face, and the color of her eyes. The extraordinary observer sees beyond the surface, noticing her broad forehead, spirited eyes, expressive mouth, and uncommon soul. What I love about this passage is that I think this is what great books like this one help us to develop as a superpower, the ability to be an uncommon observer. We learn to see beyond the surface to the significance of everything around us. That's a point I'll come back to as the story proceeds. But I know you're clever, so can you think of ways that even just what you've read so far has helped you become a better observer? Pause the recording if you want to take a minute to think about that and see if you can come up with any examples. The next thing I wanted to tell you about is the vision of Sir Lawnfall. A poem. Describing the day Matthew drives to Bright River, the air sweet with the smell of apple orchards, the mists of pearl and purple hanging on the horizon, author L. M. Montgomery quotes a line of poetry. The little birds sang as if it were the one day of summer in all the year. I searched those lines and found the poem from which they were taken. It's called The Vision of Sir Lawnfall and it's by James Russell Lowell. This long narrative poem tells the story of a knight who gives up his quest to find the Holy Grail when he learns that it would be a nobler quest to serve the good of others. The poem has many stanzas devoted to the beauty of summer, which is why Montgomery borrowed some for her book. As a literature teacher, I love this example of the power of poetry. When we read and especially when we memorize the moving and melodic words of a great poem, we stock our minds with potent phrases we can draw upon when we need them, like Montgomery did here. We also train our minds to think in the same sort of clever and descriptive words. So, can I set you a challenge? Read this excerpt from The Vision of Sir Lawnfall and pick a part to memorize. 
If you're feeling really ambitious, perhaps you'll memorize the entirety of the excerpt. And if you're feeling really, really ambitious, you could also go read the whole poem. With its happy, warm descriptions of a spring landscape and its effusively joyful outlook on life, it seems like this excerpt is something our little orphan girl might really like. Now is the high tide of the year, and whatever of life hath ebbed away comes flooding back with a ripply cheer into every bare inlet and creek and bay. Now the heart is so full that a drop overfills it. We are happy now because God wills it. No matter how barren the past may have been, tis enough for us now that the leaves are green. We sit in the warm shade and feel right well how the sap creeps up and the blossoms swell. We may shut our eyes, but we cannot help knowing that skies are clear and grass is growing. The breeze comes whispering in our ear that dandelions are blossoming near, that maize has sprouted, that streams are flowing, that the river is bluer than the sky, that the robin is plastering his house hard by. And if the breeze kept the good news back, for other couriers we should not lack. We could guess it all by yon heifer's lowing, and hark how clear bold Chanticleer, warmed with the new wine of the year, tells all in his lusty crowing. I wonder which part you'll pick.